Javelin Strategy and Research is out with a 2010 Identity Fraud Survey. What are the headlines? Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today with James Van Dyke, Head of Javelin Strategy and Research, talking about the study. Jim, thanks so much for joining me again. Tom, it's great to be here. Jim, just a little bit of background on the study, please. I know you've done this for a number of years now, but maybe you can tell us what's gone into this, and, uh, and then we can go into some of the headlines from this year's survey. Yeah, thanks, and I uh, appreciate being here. It's, uh, you know, it's identity fraud. Frankly, a few years ago, we thought we wouldn't be doing this anymore. We, we set out to take this project over from the Federal Trade Commission's original good work and, and back in 2003 when they broke the story that, as they call it, identity theft was the nation's fastest-growing white-collar crime, and we thought maybe we'd do this for a year or two because we'd get some sponsors together and deploy what's the most rigorous study on this very costly subject, and we thought this would run its course and, and maybe we'd do after a couple of years of running it, but what's actually ended up happening, particularly as the economy has worsened, criminals have just found out that they can make more people victims than ever before, and in fact, we're now announcing that there are more victims than ever before to the tune of 11, over 11 million people, adults, that were victims of identity fraud, had a transaction committed in their name without their authorization last year. Wow. Jim, what do you say the biggest headlines are from the survey? You know, with more people being victimized, uh, you know, continues to be a multi-channel crime, People are going after more, uh, both a combination of new establishment of, of fraudulent new accounts as well as accessing existing accounts. Of course, year in and year out, there's more, uh, there's a lot of credit card transactions, but what we're seeing is more of these particularly damaging new account fraud cases. We're also seeing an interesting trend with individuals using more legal means. So this empowerment message, this uh, partnership message, it's getting out there, and yet, we just can't get it out enough, meaning that identity crimes are, are they're really unique because it uh, represents a criminal or a group of connected criminals targeting two different types of entities, if you will. Not to sound too academic, but the point here is that you've got someone who's being impersonated, the honest individual, they're a victim. They pay on average $373 out of pocket. Now, the good news is that's never been lower, that out of pocket cost, even while you have more victims than ever before. And the typical victim doesn't pay anything due to zero liability provisions. But you've got more victims than ever before, more establishment of new accounts. Those are on the rise. You've got more data breaches. You've certainly got more wily cyber criminals. So it's just a mess, and industry is really carrying more of the, the load, the financial burden, than they ever have before. Jim, when I think back on the news of the past year since we spoke about the previous year's study, I think of the Heartland data breach, I think of the ACH fraud attacks that we've seen starting in the, the middle of the year. In your study, what do you see as the biggest changes since last year? Well, the growth rate is certainly the, uh, the biggest finding. You know, that the way in which we're seeing more people being victimized and in this individual empowerment at the same time where you have more people uh, doing things like um, pro um, prosecuting, uh, taking prosecution actions or, or using various legal means, uh, filling out arrest reports, working with law enforcement on convictions. Individuals have to get involved for that to take, uh, for, that, for that kind of result, a legal result to happen. And, and so this individual empowerment message uh, is, is, like I said, it's getting out there. 
that that had a sharp increase from the previous year. We're also seeing uh, back-end efforts that are translating themselves to, to um, trends that we see in this particular study. Let me explain what I mean by that, because for us as researchers, it's very interesting to see things like um, you know, red flags rulings, which called for financial providers to notify consumers in particular ways uh, when uh, addresses have been changed. And we found several years ago, when nobody was talking about this area, we found from this same study we're announcing uh, the update on that address changes were a real problem. And people started to take notice. And what you had is actually uh, in national policy that dictates that, that banks, uh, it's now the date's been moved to June of this, this year, must notify consumers when addresses have been changed. Now, it's really interesting in a series of connected studies that we've seen that where identity fraud occurs, there are fewer cases where addresses have been changed. Well, that's direct evidence of banks and technology vendors and service providers getting ready for this legislation to take effect. So even while there's more crime, regulation is, is working its way through the system. We also see through a separate study, our bank safety scorecard, that bankers are locking down this information more and are notifying consumers. So we see evidence in the, in the crimes, we see evidence in the back-end systems at the vendor level and the bank level of industry-wide change. So we can make improvement where we set our mind to it. Now, Jim, as you know, we reach beyond uh, financial institutions. We also have sites for government and for health care. When you look at industry in a, in a broad spectrum, what are the biggest trends that you're going to be looking at in 2010 in terms of identity fraud? Now, we're going to be looking at uh, health care a lot. Uh, now, there, this is not the, the, the area in which we have the greatest losses right now, but we're expecting to see rising losses there. When health care fraud does occur, the cases of fraud are much more damaging than a financial crime. I see much more damaging by really every metric. Yeah. Uh, consumer uh, um, consumer uh, um, resolution hours, fraud amounts, the face value that the criminal got away with, that is the amount that, that industry companies are are, are suffering. Uh, there's also the, the impact of the HITECH Act, H-I-T-E-C-H, that went into effect last year, and I know you've talked about it on your site, that which is really, uh, at once, it's unique because it gives medical providers from everything from the local one-doctor office to the big healthcare firms and a financial incentive for putting more records online, and at the same time, it stiffens their penalties when they allow a data breach to happen. Now, what we think that this problem, this incentive, and this this, this at once carrot and stick initiative, if you will, is really an opportunity for financial institutions and the tech vendors and service providers that work in the industry, because frankly, healthcare providers are just way behind their financial industry counterparts in terms of uh, know-how and handling individual private identity records and communicating with consumers. And we need the industry equivalent of ITAC, one of the sponsors of our study. We need to have companies like Fiserv, another sponsor of the study, or Intersections, another one, to be to be helping banks uh, make money by, uh, by empowering healthcare providers to be just as good in protecting individuals as they currently are in the financial services industry. Given what you've learned about these threats that you've talked about, what do you think the biggest identity fraud threats are to organizations right now? 
You know, one of the, one of the biggest challenges that that organizations face is in um, taking what we call a paternalistic approach to identity fraud. That is, uh, uh, you know, some of the financial providers we communicate with and we, and we advise uh, think of identity fraud, these crimes of impersonation, as one in which the victim, the person who's being impersonated, doesn't really have much more to offer. You know, they're a person whose concerns you need to assuage once they've been a victim or if their information's been exposed and they're worried about becoming an actual fraud victim. Well, you know, of course, that's part of the puzzle, And uh, but the, the bigger role, the, the thing that we really need to do more on is viewing these individuals who are either actual fraud victims or, or concerned about becoming one, view them as the partner, because it's not, it's not just a happy face message. That's the way forward on this, where we take the two victims, the consumer, or might be a small small business owner, who our study found is one and a half times as likely to be a victim of fraud, and and the companies, and that is the companies meaning the banks, like Wells Fargo, one of the other sponsors of the study, the Intersections, another sponsor, take those organizations and partner up with the consumer, small business owner, because when they work together, you're going to you're gonna accomplish the most against the criminal. You've talked about small business. You also mentioned health care. What do you find to be the types of organizations or even industries that are most at risk right now? Well, health care is frankly just a mess. I mean, they need the help of people that have been battling these problems with a much greater, uh, a much more evolved uh, um, degree of expertise, if you will, than in the healthcare industry. That, that's where help is needed, and, and um, the recent uh, High Tech Act, as mentioned, is, is really only going to just accelerate that need. There, there's also a, a need in uh, existing account services to provide more advanced alerting capabilities. I mean, there's great back-end technologies, things like fraud filters and neural nets and uh, consolidated consolidated ways of presenting account summary data when the customer logs in, but we need to have uh, uh, single fraud-fighting systems that treat the, the individual who might be impersonated the same across all financial institution account relationships, centralizing the function. So if you have, for example, a loan relationship or an investment relationship with a bank, they're, uh, they're, they're treating you as one customer, not several customers across several lines of business. Vendors can play a particularly strong role on that. So it's very interesting to watch a lot of the industry consolidation that's going on among industry vendors uh, that I, I think the vendors themselves can help banks do a better job of taking a single view of the customer. And you know, like products like Fiserv's FraudNet, for example, which gives a single view into that, that's going to help institutions lower their losses and lower um, the loyalty hit because frankly 15 to 17 percent of all fraud victims actually leave the institution once they've been a fraud victim so it's costly well it's a great segue into the question i wanted to ask you next which is what can organizations and individuals be doing to better protect themselves from fraud well it's all about three overall areas of focus which are calling our trademark model prevention detection and resolution so you stop as many of the crimes as you can up front you detect as many as, of those crimes as quickly as you can, try to increase that pace of detection, and then you resolve as many of the crimes as quickly as you can. So let me talk about each one of those three. First of all, in prevention, stopping the crimes, or, you know, it's important to separate that into back-end technologies that the co consumer or small-medium business customer will never see. 
as well as the customer-involved technologies. You know, there's, there's hidden authentication like device recognition. There is uh, the kind of authentication where the, the consumer might be recognizing a familiar image and, and certainly having you know, tokens. So everything from the basic to the most advanced. There are all kinds of advanced detection solutions like alerting capabilities that go out through SMS and you know, of course, the behind the scenes, the, um, the systems that uh, that look for pattern recognition and let experts detect fraud before the, the customer even recognizes it. And there's resolution. You know, I, Wells Fargo has something that's somewhat unique. They were certainly the first to roll it out, which is a, 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 no, a zero liability provision, just like those you have on credit cards and debit cards, uh, for online fraud. So if you become a victim while doing online banking, they, they cover your losses 100%. And there's a lot of banks that don't have that. And Sure, you and I have both read a lot of those cases where banks have landed themselves in the news because they're asking the customer to foot the bill for a case of fraud that might have been conducted by somebody else. So, in summary, and all that, because I covered a lot, we recommend that banks focus on those three uh, unique areas prevention, detection, resolution, and then apply the overlay of new account fraud and existing account fraud over that. And the reason that's important is you're less likely to have a blind spot that you just missed. Uh, in your as you plan your overall budgets and try to set priorities within them. Jim, one last question for you. Looking at this study and, and the analysis of it, if you could boil it down to a single message about identity fraud, what would that message be? That, that message is that we need to have more partnership efforts. We need to view this as less of a, of a case where there's some kind of a silver bullet, for example, in the greatest and latest technology, or somehow that regulators will save us from this mess or whatever. It's just not that way. And it, it, there's no other crime like this because of the, the fact that you have an impersonated indiv uh, a, a, an individual being impersonated, preying on companies, really a series of them, merchants, banks, processors, all at once. And so if we get a partnership effort working together, and uh, that we can solve the problem. And I'd just like to add in on that, uh, don't rule out the, the potential uh, bankers of, of making money at, at, with these solutions. It, it's not a bad thing. If, you've got, if the criminal is the bad guy here, not the vendors, and there's even products like Identity Guard that, that consumer by intersections, one of their sponsors, that consumers are happy to pay for protection for. People have pay for protection and things like insurance and other things like that. And, you know, People uh, really value the ability to sleep well at night knowing that they have coverage in case they do become a victim of criminal action. Jim, as always, I appreciate your time and your insight. Thanks so much. Tom, we appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. We've been talking with James Van Dyke about the Javelin 2010 Identity Fraud Survey. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.